Hello and welcome to Ideas Don't Bleed, a comics podcast presented by Ashcan Press and featuring Matthew Rosenberg and the Supple Boys, Ethan S. Parker, and Griffin Sheridan. This is part two of our discussion with Tyler Boss. We hope you enjoy. Let us transition to being more specific. And let's talk about your book, Dead Dogs Bite. Um, okay. It came out. Uh, it's in this. I'm going to hold it up, even though this is a podcast, because eventually it'll be on YouTube, maybe. Uh, it's a, a beautiful hardcover. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Love that. Ooh, look, mm. I realized how to sell it to the podcast audience. Mm. I, I hit it. You knock it. Yes, yeah. I do have some That's, ASMR. Yeah. You can, that, you can yeah. tell the stock just by. I'm going to do the ASMR. ASMR. Okay. That's a book. Can you could you could you slide your hand across it? Oh, that's a book. Oh, oh, that's oh, nice. Yeah. That's yeah, maybe really maybe good. rifle through some of the pages. Like, you're getting too much. It's too no, much. No, I, no, I don't no, want to no, get no. paper cuts. I don't want to risk. <laughs> These are how I make my money. I can't. Risk Ideas money. will bleed if it gets fucking paper. Cut also, paper. I'm gonna I'm gonna sell this book when the podcast is over, so I can't get blood on it. Um, <laughs> Tyler, Dead Dog's Bite for issue series, mini series from Dark Horse Comics. Yeah. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what the book is? Uh, the book is a sort of slow burn mystery story. Uh, the You follow the main character. Her name is uh, Joe Brady. And her best friend has sort of disappeared. What's, um, her, be- what's her best friend's name? Her name is Cormac <laughs> Guffin. Mm-hmm. 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 Very clever. Pretty, pretty good name, <laughs> I would good. say. Mm-hmm. I a friend of the podcast, Ed Brisson, told me he wanted to murder you when he found out that you named her that. But we'll go because uh, he wanted to use it, or yeah, because he it's, thought because he yeah. thought I was uh, an app, or as Matt Piz- uh, Matteo Matteo Pizzolo. Oh, no, uh, Griffin, cut that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as yeah. Matt Pizzolo of Black Mass said to me on the phone when I told him, and he went, "You're a fucking asshole." Uh, but yeah. in the other way, where he was like, "You're so, like you were probably so pleased with yourself when you came up with that." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, think I think that's that was Briston's take. I think you made a lot of enemies with that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, which is good. Which is always good when uh, Cormac goes missing and nobody in the town seems to care. Uh, and so it's uh, Joe. It's up to Joe to try and find out what happened to her friend. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a Twilight Zony, slightly semi-surreal uh, mystery story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Apologies if this is a dumb question. Is this your first time writing a book? Yeah, it's the first time I've done like a full story script. Yeah, yeah, right. How did that transition? How did that feel? I mean, was that like was that scary at all, or was it just? Oh, it was kind awful. Of I was the, it was the okay. worst fucking thing in the world. Um, was the, it really? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I, <laughs> I started sleepwalking the week before it was going to come out uh, wow. out of anxiety. Okay. Uh, wow. I, uh, I'm, I, <laughs> my wife would like find me in the tub, just like standing in there. Um, she'd be like, "What are you doing?" And I'd be like, "I'm going to the bathroom." Uh, but I'd just be standing in the tub and she'd be like, okay, but let's go to bed. Uh, but I would call Matthew and be like, you're such a tick. Like, why didn't you tell me how horrible this feels to like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. um, it was pretty, it was pretty funny to watch. Uh, yeah. wow. I felt, I felt really, it, it, it was such a weird thing because like, I was so excited for you to write stuff. Cause I knew you wanted to do it. And then I was like, oh, it's going to be great. And you sent me the first script and I was like, oh man, it's really good. And then you were like, I fucking hate this. <laughs> Oh my god! See, and this I, opens up a hundred more questions for me. This is fascinating. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, I mean, I guess my my first question is: uh, this is my favorite book you've worked on mm. um, because you're sort of unencumbered by some mm-hmm. writer telling you what to do. Uh, how did that feel for you? Did that feel oh, good? Uh, uh, I, I know that it felt terrible to write it yourself, but did it feel good to be out from being tied to some? maniacal tyrant yeah yeah that you're, nice? you're, yeah you're because you're, you're quite the tyrant matthew uh yeah. it, it was i mean it was fun to um 
if, the, if it was really you know setting aside the sort of the you you have the anxiety that builds up about like oh crap like if this comes out and it, it's terrible then you have no one to blame but yourself yeah. um like if people hate this then they're like that's that's on you and uh, you know i was writing stuff and being like i think this is good like i think this is pretty okay um and and it's exciting too to you know learn more sort of the craft of writing and, and what that is as opposed to being like you know, because on four kids, me and Matt would talk about it and, and come up with ideas and, and, you know, I'd throw things in or whatever. But, you know, it was Matt going and writing a full script. It wasn't like I was yeah. a part of that that craft process of here's how we break down a story across five issues. It was more just like, you know, I, I would participate, but it, it wasn't to the same degree of the amount of work Matt had to do yeah, um, to sure. get it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I think it's changed a little bit now, even with Furthest Place, where yeah. I think me and Matt sort of we we almost beat out each issue yeah. sort of the, the the here's the signposts we got to hit on the arcs and different things and then matt goes and writes a full script um but it, it feels a little bit more now that i've gone and sort of done the process um i feel a lot more confident um in in sort of you, get, you have those instincts i think everyone does when you start doing writing and different things where you understand like the thing you said earlier matt right where it's like certain things become second nature, certain things you understand like, Oh, well, I got to have this thing here. I got to know I got to have the, and it, it becomes a lot more, um, just, there's a lot more confidence. Um, yeah. The more it's, you do, this isn't the question you asked either, by the way, okay. uh, the not having you there sucked because it, it was a thing that like was, yeah, ter- that was a big source of the anxiety where it's like every, with four kids for this place, these other things, like at least I had somebody else to like, go through it with me if people hated it yeah whereas in this one it's like you know uh that that was it and, and you so, and you fully went into it because you colored and lettered the book yourself yeah. also yeah like, I, like well, a weirdo. I, I wanted to do that that was the thing coming from thinking i was going to be one of those like more alternative lit indie comics people was i wanted to handle every aspect of making a mm-hmm. comic um and so that that was really rewarding in the end to have done it. It's also exhausting, sure. um, like <laughs> physically and emotionally. Um, but uh, it was good. I'm going to do it are again. You, are you in a good place about the book now? Do you look at it and you <laughs> like it? Yeah, no, I'm very proud. Okay. There's, there's things like, I think with anybody with books, there's things where I like, uh, there's a few things you'd go back and change, yeah. but I think that's true of anything. Like, you know, given it, we looked at four kids the first version of the first issue by the that me and Matt did, yeah. I totally redrew it by the time it actually came out. And right. that's maybe the first and last time I should ever have done something like that. I think at a certain point, you just, it's going to have flaws no matter what you do, like just put it out there and, and, and that's the best thing you can do. When did that transition happen of raking yourself over the coals of like, I hate this. I'm fucking, I'm stressed out. And to, to getting to a point where you feel good about it. Like how did that happen? Um, uh, it's the hardback if it came out last September. Mm-hmm. So it took about a year. Oh, for, so it had to be fully out before you felt okay about it. Oh, I mean, like two months ago, I started to feel good about it. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, and like, that's not a joke. Like, it's a thing. Two months ago, I started to be like, like, for instance, like, I wouldn't even. Matt was like, oh, we should have it in the, the shop. And I was like, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And then I just wouldn't. Yeah, he wouldn't do it. I wouldn't wow. get it any cop. I'd be, he'd be like, do you have comps? And I'd be like, no, they're all gone. Yeah. I had comps. I just didn't. Okay. I, I would, so, we, we would do, sign, when we'd set up signings, I was like, yeah, you should bring them or tell the story. And he was like, ah, it's fine. And I was like, no, you should do that. Like, um, I mean, I, I remember when you were making it, I like, I, I could sense that you were getting sort of gun shy about it. And like, we went out to that, um, coffee shop on uh what is it 11th and broadway is that that one with the downstairs oh like, yeah and and i was like here are like all of the press people you should be sending the book to here are the retailers you should be reaching out to here are the email addresses of all the pros you should send it to for pull quotes and you were like so appreciative and we're like oh this is amazing thank you so much and then like you didn't do any of that <laughs> i did some of it you did some of it. You sent it out I to did, some pros, and, and I sent it to pros. Wow! Uh, and I tried to do the. Um, you convinced me to go and do the retailer thing. Yeah, uh, which was probably good, but then a pandemic happened. So then, yeah, the book was paused and paused for a bit. But no, it's it's it was. Um, 
I think it's just that first, I don't know, you know, it's so with four kids, I, I think I was, was, I was in one of those situations where you don't know what you don't know. It was the sort of thing where I was sort of like arrogant about my stuff. I was like, no, I know I'm good at, I know this book is good. Like I felt arrogant about it um, mm -hmm. in a way where it's like, even if people don't like it, I can stand behind it. Um, whereas with dead dogs, I had none of that. It was just, it was completely a thing of like, I don't, um, I don't know that it's good. I don't know if people are going to like it. I don't, I don't know anything about it. It's a thing where it's like, I liked it, but if everybody hates it, then maybe I'm a moron. Um, it's, true. it's, it's uh, weird because you talk about that and like, that's a learned thing, but I have that still on things where I'm like, I don't know. Like I had that on farthest place where I was like, I really love this. I don't know if it's good. Like, I don't know if other people will like it. And and I, I remember talking about that and being like, this feels really personal to me. So it feels like maybe there's an audience of one. And you were like, well, I like it. And I was like, two? two. Uh, yeah. And I just, and like now for this place is the book I'm most proud of that I've ever done, I think, mm. maybe because of where we're going and what we're trying to do with it. And like, how we made it and all of it and like what we're accomplishing in the scope and like how we're pushing ourselves to try new things and all of that has sort of what what felt like unsure ground now feels like it opened up a new path for me creatively and I feel really good about it and so like it's it's exciting to me to hear that you have sort of turned a corner on liking feeling proud of dead dogs because I, I mean I love it but I think it's interesting that hesitation, I think, for me, sometimes means you're on the right path to doing mm -hmm. things that are good, that you're challenging yourself, and you don't know what you're doing. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. there's something sort of great about that. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting, and I, you know, it's it'll be. I'm working on obviously for this place. Me and Matt are doing a bunch of it, but like, I, me and Matt are doing another thing to the side of that and i'm currently writing another thing just sort of in my my evenings oh, and, and weekends and it's there's a much different feeling this time mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i feel a lot more settled um you know i my upset tummy i drank the ginger ale like i'm okay now <laughs> like, you got your ginger uh, aid kombucha exactly sponsor yeah. of um, the show <laughs> so i mean it's, it's i don't know if what you're right but for anybody who uh yeah is putting out quote unquote their like first book or working on that thing i think yeah the advice would be um the nerves are normal um yeah. and it's going to um, be fine because here's the here's the other funny thing too is i uh, you know it, it doesn't matter <laughs> why do you people, say that huh if people don't like well, it, I mean, it doesn't what, matter? if people don't like it don't read your goodreads you know what even if people like it don't read your goodreads just don't read yeah. goodreads yeah that's, that's probably uh, good advice. yeah uh <laughs> you know I, I had to read my goodreads recently oh um, no what do you uh, mean you had to? Yeah. What? Uh, I was writing a proposal uh, for a grant. And okay. I went in to be like, this is how I... it was horrible. And I was like, uh -huh. these are like my average Amazon ratings. And these are my good. And like, it was very intense. But also like, um, I have a weird relationship to to my work and to my audience. So like, mm -hmm. Uh, bad reviews don't bother me at all. Like I find them interesting and good reviews make me super uncomfortable. <laughs> and like when people are like, I love this, this is great. I'm like, uh, but when someone's like, I really don't think they stuck the landing. I'm like, that's interesting. I wonder, you know, like I, I have a much healthier yeah. reaction to bad reviews. So Goodreads doesn't really bother me, but I don't spend a lot of time there. But yeah, I've spent a, a lot of time there recently and it was uh, interesting. It's an interesting place. Um Anyway, moving on. That was too much. That was uh, too much information about me. Well, um, I, I, <laughs> I do, I do have another question about the nerves thing because Griffin and I are working on our first book right now, mm -hmm. um, and it is at times cripplingly stressful. Um, and what what was your strategy there of getting to a point where you're literally sleepwalking because you're so anxious about it? how do you get back to a point where you're 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 in it and you're excited about it and and you just keep going uh lucky for me the book was done when the first issue was coming out right so i didn't have to go to back to work on it i just needed to uh sure you know stay the course um the honest reason is and it's a thing it's going to sound weird but the um my sort of mantra is this thing of uh, think of a needlepoint that spells out nobody cares 
Um, it's the sort of like that idea of like when you are awake at two in the morning, remembering mm -hmm. every transgression you've ever caused yeah. to somebody by accident. And, and you have to remember in your own head, none those people that you did it to aren't thinking about you. They're thinking about their transgressions at two in sure. the morning. That they, and so it's that thing where it's like, all it's not that nobody cares, but it's you are just another member of the background and it's, sure. and it's, and it's going to be fine. Um, sure. you know, it's just that Matt actually did a really, this is a silly thing. Like I, I didn't realize that I do this, that I get super stressed out and weirded. Um, uh, but like we were, me and my wife, um, right before for this place was coming out, uh, Matt and uh, his partner came to our house to, um, basically put together, um, uh, 2000 envelopes to send to shops. Um, and they were coming to stay with us, but also my wife was going on a work trip to Paris because uh, she had designed this book for a fashion house or whatever. And I was going to be going with her and I was like sitting on the couch next to Matt and I was like getting stressed out about like, I was like, well, we got to finish all this, but then I also got to pack, but then I got to do this thing. And then on the flight, like, I just really hope I don't get to have, like have the runs and this different thing. And Matt, and Matt's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like, is any of that happening right now? And I was like, no. And he's like, the one we're worried about. And it's that thing that like, Matt's pretty good about. He's like in the moment, buddy, like just day by day. Oh, yeah. I I I have like real bad stress and anxiety about like work and and sort of all the things that I have to do and all the things that can go wrong. And like I have if I don't do sort of certain calming techniques and stuff, I sort mm -hmm. of have stress nightmares every night and I freak out. So I have these sort of things. And like a, a thing I always do is like just just like focus on the thing that's directly in front of you. Like there's nothing past that. And when you finish that, then you can assess the landscape and go to the next thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a, that's how I deal with sort of the fact that it's like, Oh, I, I owe five people scripts and I have to do this. And like, this thing comes out tomorrow and it sucks. <laughs> like, people, you know, some hate, some hate group is going to fucking start text messaging uh, <laughs> telling me or whatever it is. Um, I, you know, you just have to sort of be like, none of that matters. Just do, do your job right now. And yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, that, I'm glad that that helped you, Tyler, on getting de-stressed before your vacation in Paris. You know, I, 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 I don't want to like dwell on this, but I, I do want to sort of talk about sort of my relationship to the book for a minute and like mm. sort of your understanding of, of the book, because we've never really talked about this. And I think it's maybe fertile ground or maybe it's really boring. Let's find out. Um, it's very strange for me to read Dead Dogs Bite because I see so much stuff that I think of as ours in it. Mm. And a lot of that I think is like, there are things where I'm like, Oh, that's something we do in for kids, or that's something we were going to do in for this place. Or like, that's similar to something we do. And some of it, I'm like, did I steal that from Tyler? Uh, and some of it's like, not did I steal it, but like, did you put that in? And then I sort of, am like emotionally claiming ownership because it's in our book. And then there's these other things in it that like feel so fresh and unique to me and so different than what we do. And I'm kind of comparing them in these weird ways. And I, I don't know, it, it's a very weird thing because I think the stuff we make together, I have this real personal stake in and you know, you're, you're one of my closest friends and, and I, you know, like we make these things that I, I think I feel really personal about and I feel you do too. And then you made this book that is very personal to you and I can't help but like see our collaboration in it yeah. and also like our relationship in it and all these other things. And I sort of wonder, do you feel that like do you feel a relationship between these book that this book and our books do you feel that if you i don't think you've ever read anything else that i did that you didn't work on but if you had read something else i wrote would you feel <laughs> like oh that's no I, we do? So, yeah i mean it's it's funny because i bet you there's things you know it's that for instance like we've done however many podcasts about four kids and somebody will bring up a a joke or something in it and you and me won't remember no, who came up yeah. with it and I, there's definitely things in dead dogs where it's like you know, in some ways, I learned how to write by reading your scripts. You know, mm -hmm. it was that sort of thing where it's like, that was the most level of professional um, oh, geez. interaction I'd had with a script was the four kids, number one script. Because um, to that point, yeah, I'd worked on 
five issues of four kids and then i did an issue of teenage mutant Ninja turtles and then it was dead dogs and that was kind of yeah. the path um so in some ways you know uh i think there's um it's also just tonally you and me have a very similar sense of humor yeah um, and so i think you see some of that come through in um Dead Dogs, where it almost feels like a joke I would tell you or you would tell me, and yet now you're seeing it in a book, and it's that's got to be kind of weird. Yeah. Um, because there's a thing where, like, I had, like, for instance, reading um, Tales of Tales Tales uh, Tales of Suspense. Sure. Is that what the title with Bucky and yeah. uh, Hawkeye and uh, yeah. Natasha? Yeah. You know, when you're doing the buddy cop stuff with Clint and and uh, not Sebastian Stan. Uh, Bucky. Um, you already said his name. Yeah, Bucky. <laughs> uh, uh, Clinton Bucky. It's, uh, it almost, like, there's a weird, I I hear your voice coming out of mm. both of their, and, it's, and it is a little weird to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing, there's, there's a thing in Dead Dogs where I'm like, I couldn't, it's a f- super great joke, but I was like, I can't hear the joke in the character voice. I hear you. And it's the pharmacist <laughs> talking about his, his hands. Clapper? Yeah. Yeah. And then when he, he's like, oh, my clap. Like, it just sounded like you to me in a way that was like so jarring and so like weird and, and surreal. Yeah. Um, and funny. It's a great joke. But his flim flams. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh yeah i just i don't know I, there's like a weird oh what's oh no yeah that it, <laughs> sorry i like that joke a lot <laughs> are you just laughing at your own joke Gosh, i am you're such an, you're such an asshole it's um, a good joke no it's a good joke the the other ones like i was trying to figure out because you have the um the scene in the movie theater where the narrator opens in mm. in the movie theater yeah. And we have the movie theater scene in for this place, which obviously came later, but I feel like we talked about before. And I was like, did I steal this from Dead Dogs or did we come to this separately? Because, <laughs> like, I've had that idea for a long time that they live think... in the movie theater. I don't, I was trying to think of the relationship of what, because you'd oh, done. You did, you, I, we had had the conversation where you had, had wanted a gang to live in a movie theater. I think they were even in our original pitch thing. It was like it was the, the Cinema original. 7 or something yeah, yeah. like that. And we just never, they, at the, you know at that point they weren't in the book but there was something we talked about but like when i saw the scene in the movie theater i was like this is how i want the movie theater scene in our book to look and then i was like did we talk about this like and there's a there's a few things like that where i was like i don't remember because you'd done the first issue of furthest place before you did part of two you do the first issue i mean not kind of they were like they're versions of the first two issues yeah it was really just the first issue but it was going to be the first two right yeah yeah um and then, and yeah, then that's you, when you sort of went and worked on the Marvel stuff, and I was like, uh, I'm going to go do this then. Um, yeah, yeah. So, like, there was things where I was like, oh, did I steal that? Did did he steal that? Like, is this, did we come to this together? It's just really, very surreal. It feels like watching, like, a video of, like, your your ex with someone else, and you're like, oh, we they dance to the same song like is the is that song our song you know or it's like know. or it's like how if you're with a partner for a really long time and apparently your faces get more similar from doing the same expressions yeah yeah have you ever heard about that it feels like that to me yeah it's you like how just you, be you, and e- each other off. you and you and griffin look exactly like we're gonna get there exactly yeah like i can't tell the our, our heights are gonna room. meet at some point as well we're just gonna yeah, this, this is the it. only reason we've been working together ethan i'm trying to steal your height <laughs> <laughs> wow feeding off of me wow it's <laughs> really beautiful guys yeah no. um okay <clears throat> i'm gonna cough and then uh i have another question for you tyler let's keep them going we're having a good time um a lot of your books, uh, and some of this is my fault, again, there's a lot of, it's weird to interview you because I'm going to be talking about my own work in some ways, mm. and I, I don't know how to do that and not seem like an asshole, so just bear with me, but uh, a lot of your stuff is about young people, and I'm wondering why. Why do you gravitate towards that? Like, what about telling stories about young people? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's funny to think you saying you don't want it, but it's like, you know, when I heard the four kids pitch, you, I had heard three other ones from you, and yep. not all of them were young people, and I went, oh, that one. For sure. Uh, and so, yeah, I, it's, um, I don't know, there's something, 
I don't even know. I don't even really think about it as young people, if that makes any sense. I, I, I sort of just think about it as like, there's this, this is the story. Um, like mm -hmm. the, you know, furthest place is maybe the closest where it was like, I had sort of wanted to age up a little bit um, just so we could deal with some other different like themes, like sex and um, mm -hmm. th these things that you obviously should do, you shouldn't do with children. Yeah. <laughs> what a horrifying no. thing to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. We're, uh, an we're an explicit podcast. Oh, okay. Good. Um, uh, no, we're but, explicit now. Nice. Um, we crossed over mid episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it was that sort of thing where it's like four kids. You know, it goes back to that idea too, Matt, where you're talking about like things I'm doing in um, Dead Dogs versus what we did in Four Kids Together, where I think we both come at it that we both enjoy sort of like a little bit of decompressed storytelling. We both enjoy doing higher panel count pages. We both are really invested in the how the characters are acting, um, like their action. Like a thing, yeah. one of my favorite things that I... Um, you've ever you when you were working on kingpin and you were like talking about you know the different things you wanted to do in it and you're like i remember like yeah i keep putting in the stage direction that i like i always want him to be like dabbing his forehead or like mm -hmm. like he's sweating and he's always sort of like yeah. so he's always sort of doing something with his action and like you know i i, I sort of I thought that was great, A, but it was also a thing where it's like, I think I was I, I naturally was sort of always do, my wife always makes fun of me. She calls it the Tyler Boss hands because it's mm -hmm. like whenever you see like one of the characters acting, you'll go into my like um, IMAX photo booth and it's just me like yeah. poking my like doing and she's just <laughs> like, so um, there's that thing where it's just like, I think we have similar approaches, but I, I think we also have counterbalances too where it's like, I think we both enjoy humor. I think maybe I like to lean a little bit more towards um, some absurd and surrealist stuff. Yeah. And I think you sometimes like to lean into more um, either in, in the same breath, either sentimental or very violent. Um, yeah. Those are like, if we're to, uh, so it's, it's a thing where I think we have similar storytelling techniques or not techniques, but like things we enjoy in storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just think we have these other things where it's like, um, they complement each other. And so it, it's interesting to see, like, you're, it's not to pull it back, but like, you know, I have read a bunch of your other work and it is always a little funny to see like where people be like, oh my God, Matt's work with on, on Hawkeye is so great. Or Matt works with travel uh, foreman on, on tales is so great. And it's, so I'm like, well, it's, those guys are fine, but like, I'm, I'm messed. <laughs> it's fine. He steps out. We have an open marriage, but let's remember who the. It's true. Um, it's true. Uh, I'm not. So it, I'm not married to Otto Schmidt or Travel Foreman. That is correct. No, but um, it is. It is that thing where it's like not that it's, you're jealous or but it's it's sort of funny to be like, oh, seeing how other people play the song, you know. Or... Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things about the book that I thought was really interesting, and again, I think speaks a lot to what you do and what you're very good at is the sort of the town or the location as a character. I think Pender Mills is like such a rich town and it's so interesting. And, you know, it's this town full of weirdos and like, you're telling a story about the sanest person in a town of weirdos and that <laughs> makes them seem insane. And I think that is like inherently just a great device that it's just like, Oh yeah. Like the, the craziest person, the sanest person in a crazy town is the pariah is such a beautiful unique thing but the town is so <clears throat> it's such a character and it's so important and that's true i feel like that's true in four kids that like you really get a good sense of the town and like it's definitely for this place is about location and it's about the places you grow up and like i wonder how much of dead dogs like you you clearly in with pender mills you have this sort of love hate relationship with this town um and like how much of that for you is autobiographical and is about Buffalo and how much of that is just like, I think this is compelling storytelling basically. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it, I think, you know, the answer as a writer yourself, you know, it is, that stuff is always, you know, this is the thinly veiled autobio of me. Sure. Uh, not that I, you know, it's that thing where you put that in there of, um, yeah, it's definitely the the relationship I, I think a lot of people have with their hometowns where it's I sort of um, uh, I loved growing up in Buffalo until I was 
at the age in which you're supposed to hate your hometown and clichely hated my hometown and, mm-hmm. and said disparaging things about it and moved to the big city to go and pursue my dreams. And now I'm 30 uh, and I live in my hometown again and I love it. And it's, I would, I can't imagine living in another place. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's, you talk about wanting to write about kids or younger people or young adults. And it's a thing where it's like, well, for Joe's story and, and, and that sort of thing, like that sort of endless optimism and pessimism and the same level of uh, seriousness is, is sort of primed at 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, mm-hmm. these sort of coming of age things. And so like to sort of do a story that like, you know, I wanted to tell a mystery story. I wanted to, do these things but then like you know as you pull everything from your life it's yeah let's i want to talk about this sort of love hate relationship i had with the town i grew up in how does that make me relate to my parents how does that um you know what's that feel like it's it's so funny the book yeah it's, it's sort of all about different things like that you know that you grow up in this, these places and you, you form opinions about them and people form opinions at you and it's what level of choice do you have in it what level of um biases you have towards it and i did do all that stuff and worked it all out and then uh when the book finally comes back out i'm living back in the <laughs> town where <laughs> i was writing all that stuff about it so it's it's an interesting um you know it's the same thing we do we did with you know you you more four kids is very very personal for you specific to even um yeah some of the names of characters and different you know relationships you have with people in your family and um but even in that, it was fun to always catch you off guard with references I'd put into, yeah, yeah. you know, because four kids is fucking Buffalo again. Sure. Um, but it's like thing where it's like, yeah, Walter riding around with a hockey helmet on yeah. as his as his bike helmet, and Matt's like, "What is this?" And I was like, "What do you mean? Like that's just what kids did. They didn't they couldn't afford two helmets, so you had your yeah. hockey helmet." uh and that's that's what you'd have to wear is your bike helmet and you're like i don't think that's a thing tyler kids kids in new york city, <laughs> kids in new york city don't have hockey helmets because we yeah. live in a temperate climate yeah, yeah um yeah i think i think it's really funny because i it, it's a place where you talked about before where like your instincts lead more to the surreal and my instincts lead to the overly sentimental maybe or the the hyper <laughs> violent and disturbing and you know i like it's it's funny to hear you say that because i'm very aware of those distinctions in our storytelling also but like i write about very personal stuff but a but through a veil of a place that's not about me i grew up in new york city i grew up in a city and i always write about the suburbs and i always write about small towns and to me there's a sort of i don't know there's a sort of magical realism about small towns that like they're very you know like I remember being like 19 and 20 and going on tour across the country with bands and like going to really small towns and like just looking at people and being like, I don't know what their life is like. I don't understand what they do. And I don't mean that in a shitty way of like, what you don't live in New York. Like, what do you do? Like, I literally would like stare at people and be like, what do you do for fun? Like, what do you do for a living? What do you want to do? Like, it, it just felt alien to me. And so I write about it, sort of explore like, my life transposed to this sort of place that feel, has this sort of element of magical realism to it. And you are writing and making stuff that is about the town you're from. And it's very different. And like, I don't know, I, I, you know, we've talked a bunch about this book that I want to do with you. That was the book we were going to do before for kids. And then, I mean, before for this place and we switched, but that's in New York city. Yeah. And like, that to me is really terrifying and exciting. And you were kind of like, yeah, it's cool. And and I was like, no, this for me is like, I want to do a book yeah, set in city. Yeah. Um, like, uh, so it's funny to hear you, you know, like, because Pender Mills, like I see so much of Buffalo in it and I see so much of, of your sort of love hate relationship with the town and, and getting out of the town and, and, and all that, that I, I really find it fascinating and, and sort of really deeply moving because you can see that there's so much of you on the page in it. Mm. Um, Talking about, you know, the sort of almost therapeutic nature of writing, Tyler, is there anything that you kind of like discovered about yourself writing as opposed to when you've just been drawing, when you finally got to putting words down on a page? (laughs) Did you realize something? Like, did something come out and you're like, what the fuck? Um, (laughs) Uh... Uh, a lot of bad grammar um but besides that um 
you know it's it's funny it's, it's that's this is the thing when we talk about too like demystifying the writing process and it's a sort of thing where it's like i now have a practice of how i approach it where it's like um setting the the table so to speak so that you can have you can kind of go in that place and uh it's always fun because at any time for the most part, you know, unless you're having on the good days or even on the, the only okay days you sit down and ideas will just wander. You'll be writing something and coming up and you feel these ideas just come on and you go, Oh, where the fuck did that come from? And you're like, Oh, that's great. Let's put that down. And that's so exciting. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, like who needs crystal meth? Like that's um, <laughs> like that little high of like, Ooh, like that idea like is so great. Um, yep. I will say I wrote, all of the the first pass of dead dogs issue one in a like eight hour sitting (laughs) and i like did it it was when i was still living in new york city and i like stood up and i like i was had i was in a studio and i was going to walk to the train and i had to like halfway down the block like sit back down Mm -hmm. like and i'd never experienced that sort of like and i've heard it from my writer friends like they're like oh it was brutal i'm like how brutal can it be you're sitting like you didn't have to like crank your arm or your wrist you're yeah, just yeah, yeah. tapping away sipping your and i was like oh my god like no i i like my brain is shot it's mush it's mm-hmm. fog like and i, I i'm gonna fall over um mm-hmm. from like that the type of like mental brain exhaustion and uh maybe like a couple months later me and matt were in uh portland for um uh even check spell yes uh, and Matt was telling me about all the uh, um, titles he was working on for Marvel. It was like five or six or something issues he had to basically like get done that month. And he was, in, I was like, "How many hours a day do you write?" And he's like, "All day." And I was like, "You can't do that." I was like, "If you if you write that many hours, like, how are you going to relate to humanity?" I think I was also pretty drunk, and so I was probably slurring my words towards you <laughs> and, and walking around in my zubas, being like, "It's weird. You haven't talked about my pants yet." Um, we don't talk about them. Uh, but it was uh, it was. I mean, you came back with you're like, "Well, if I don't do this, then there will be no books this month um, yeah. on shelves." But it was. It's you know, I it, I don't know how you do what you do, Matt. Like I. <laughs> I it, it it's funny because I feel like the thing you're talking about of just like needing to sit down like I remember the first time I had that and I I know exactly where I was I had a meeting at the Marvel offices and while I was at the meeting my phone just kept buzzing and I was like what is this like I was I was not in the office I was downstairs getting lunch with Jake Thomas who was my editor and my phone kept buzzing because I was working on like four or five books and I just had emergencies on three books while I was at lunch. And so like, I had all these people being like, where are you? I need this. And like, they were calling and texting and I was in a meeting Christ. at the same company. And I got hung, I, I finished the meeting and I got on the phone with a different editor. And he was like, I was like, when do you need this by? And he was like, now. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm, I was like, I'm outside the office. Uh, I can be home in 30 minutes. And he was like, can you make it faster? And I was like, <laughs> no i'd live in a certain place and i was like you know what i'll go to a coffee shop and i went to uh, a coffee shop like on 48th street and i you know got a cocoa sat down plugged in my computer started working and i worked from noon in and they closed at 11 and they kicked me out at 11 fuck and i worked just straight didn't didn't stop for anything and i got home and when i got i took a i was like i can't take the subway i'm gonna take a kip and when i got home I couldn't figure out how to get into my house. I was like pulling on the door and was like, what's wrong with the door? And then I was like, oh, it's locked. This is a building in New York City. The door is locked. Like, but it was like a full minute and a half of pulling on it. And I was like, oh, part of my brain is just like not working Mm -hmm. correctly. And like, you know, I I was like a little bit like, did I have a stroke? Like, what is happening here? But I just like, it was exhaustion. I just had exhaustion from like, working that hard i've learned Mm -hmm. to sort of do it better so that now i can you know do 10 hour days seven days a week or you know i work more than 10 hour days but it work long days every day and and not have that happen but like yeah there is a level of exhaustion that that hits you and it is very real and very i i was told once that it's shockingly it's It's intense when it happens like yeah and it's and i it's a thing where it's like I, my, like, I, when I say, I was joking, like, my dad works a manual labor job, sure. like, my uncle's 
all like it's this thing where it's like I my growing up seeing them come home from a hard days of labor and yeah. the in and mentally the idea to me of like oh well, I live a pampered life I sit in a room and draw funny pictures or like I type away at a computer and to like I've also worked like I did landscaping for yeah. a while like I've worked the 13 hour manual labor jobs it's the physical difference versus that sort of mental exhaustion yeah, it's yeah. crazy how mm-hmm. real it is because yeah I think naively I would have thought like oh like eh, whatever until you do it and then it's like yeah it's it's shocking yeah, it's yeah. like when you finish a really hard Sudoku puzzle. Yes. <laughs> or if you build a lot of Ikea furniture in the right. same night. And then you're wiped for the week. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. If I build yeah. an armoire, I take the month off. Uh, yeah. No, I know. I, yeah. I mean, I worked in a, I worked in basically a sweatshop for a couple of years, uh, screen printing. <laughs> and, it, and it was like, you know, oh. physically 10 hour, you know, 10, 12 hour days that I'm, you know, like in a 110 degree room doing manual labor. And it was like, you know, I it wasn't a sweatshop because I got paid very well, but it was sweatshop conditions. It was like an mm-hmm. unventilated, you know, 110, 120 degree room in the summer, 50 degree room in the winter. Like it was very brutal and uh, I would never do it again. I hated it. And I it was a harder job than writing and I didn't enjoy it. But I do see the comparison where I'm like, yeah, there are moments where I'm like the mental right. exhaustion is mm-hmm. is very real. You see a help wanted sign on like a rock quarry or something and you're like, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I I I remember talking to a writer once who was just like at the at the tail end of a burnout and was like What do you think a doorman in an apartment building gets paid? And I was like, I think they get paid okay, it's a union job. And they were like, I would love that job. And it was interesting to hear someone who was like a creative person be like, I want to work in this job that is just that there's no creativity to it's it's smiling and being nice to people and helping them. And that Mm -hmm. just that's the end. And no one's ever mad at a door. I mean, some people are mad at a doorman, but no one's it's not even like a yeah, it's not like a retail job where it's like, well, it gets really busy and people freak. It's like everyone you deal with is like and they were just like, that just sounds really nice. And there was a part of my brain that was like. (laughs) It does sign it sound really nice to be a doorman. <laughs> and like I, I couldn't do it. I'm not that type of I don't think I have that type of brain anymore for it, but like I do understand the inclination to have. But at the same time, I'm sure a doorman is like I would love to yeah. sit lie in bed all day yes. and write write yeah. about the fucking X-Men. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know, they're probably correct and I'm probably wrong. But here we are. Uh, yeah, fuck you, Matthew. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. uh, uh, this is this is my my pathetic way of being like I have a real job, people. <laughs> it's a real job. Um, I, I'm not just playing with toys. Uh, I am just playing with toys, but we don't need to discuss that. So, uh, you know, I have one more sort of question to wrap us up mm. here, Tyler, about sure. the book, if that is okay with you. Oh yeah. Um, and this is maybe a complex one, or maybe not. Uh, I don't want to give anything away about the book. I don't want to like spoil it. It's a, it's a brilliant book. It's a beautiful book. And I love it so much. And like you have Joe, this character who's on this very fascinating journey. It's a murder mystery, but there's no body. There's sort of no, it's very tense, but there's not a lot of violence. It's, it's, it's all this moody, sort of smart stuff and it's it's very introspective and and very beautiful and then i read it when it was issues and i got to the end and without saying what the end is um it really sort of broke my heart and i was like this is so sad it's a tragedy and it's really heartbreaking story of like coming to terms with this place that you love and hate and growing up and and growing apart from the people you care about and having to accept a world that you don't love and all these things. And it was really heartbreaking and devastating. And then I reread it again for this and had completely the opposite reaction and was kind mm-hmm. of like, there's a lot of hope in there. There's a lot like that last two pages, the, you know, the letter, I won't say what the letter is. And then, the last splash page in the book. And I was like, there's something really beautiful and hopeful in this. And there's something it's sad, but there's optimism in it. And there's sort of a a brighter world. And I am sort of mystified and baffled by this, that I've had these two reads and I don't think either is wrong. And I also spent a lot of time being like, 
I don't exactly know what Joe does. We don't know mm-hmm. what choice she makes at the end. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm going to ask you the question that everyone asks us about four kids and we hate to answer, but like, <laughs> do you, you don't have to answer, but do you know what Joe does? I do. do you you yeah. do. Okay. And do you feel like the book is hopeful or, or sad? Um, I and, have, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, and that doesn't necessarily explain what Joe does. Cause I could see no, yeah. either answer. I, so I think, um, I think I started writing the book from a place of sort of pessimism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's kind of key to it. And, um, and almost the sort of like a little bit of a melancholy, um, in, in the way that like, you know, the, the Don Draper definition of nostalgia, right? Like pain from an old wound in Greek. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time I got to the end of the book in drawing it and writing it, um, I, I definitely, it's that it's more of that optimism sort of creeped into me about it. Um, you know, I, I sort of joke around to people where, you know, when I was growing up as like a young punk kid, like everything was, yeah, I was pessimistic about everything and uh, fuck the world. It's all bad. Uh, and now at like 30, I'm very much like an aspiring optimist, like, or mm. a reformed pessimist. Um, and so it's that thing where it's like, you know, you turn on the news and it's like, man, it is rough out there. Uh, but you like, you still got to get up and live your life every single day. And so you got to find um, the, the joy inside of it. Um, and so, I mean, it pleases me, Matt, that you kind of had both those reads on it. Cause I, I think you can have both those reads on it. And, and, and though I know what Joey's choice is, I, for me, it's, it's what I think. And, sure. and it's, and it's that thing where it's, it's ultimately it's, it's up to the the point of her in that situation is more about what it says about the reader reading it than it is mm-hmm. about what she does. That's the, the that's the yeah. sort of mm-hmm. mechanism I'm trying to do. Yeah. I, I, you know, it made me uh, to bring it all back to me. Um, it made me feel <laughs> like, uh, let's talk about me. Let's talk about me for a minute. It's my podcast. Um, <laughs> my mom says I don't talk enough on the podcast, <laughs> um, which is definitely not correct, mom. The uh, you know, I, I was thinking about um, we had without playing our cards too much. We had a, a meeting with some TV people about um, for this place, you and me, and and they were sort of asking us where it ends, and they were like, "Do you know where it goes?" And we were like, "Oh, very much." And then we sort of had to walk it back because we were like, well, we know what the ending is to a degree, but we definitely started creating this book pre-pandemic. And we were definitely going to a very dark place. And now we don't necessarily feel good about... Oh, that's so interesting. ...putting well, that much darkness yeah. into the world. Right. And, like, so we... We have yeah. a different ending that we feel is more positive, and we're going to see where we want to be when we get there. Wow. And I, I like, I, I, I don't think the studio liked that answer, um, <laughs> but I think we were both really happy with that answer. And then I read this and was like, "Oh, Tyler did both. Like he mm. got both. He got the pre-pandemic ending and the post, you know, and the and the mid-pandemic ending." in in one book like it's it has the optimism if you're looking for it and it has just the pessimism if you're looking for it and it's really beautifully mm-hmm. handled and like I, I don't know i just i i'm trying to study it and figure out how to land that how to get to a place where well and i think we i, I feel like we have the action you know what i mean in the sense mm-hmm. where it's like we have we we at the end of for this place we sort of we we know where kind of the pieces oh like yeah, the, yeah. On the, we know what the, the story we know what the story it's, is no no yeah, yeah yeah but it's this thing of yeah where it's like we just don't i don't think we fully landed on we have like yeah man it's there was the version of that action that we had originally and now there's that other version like the version the presentation of that action that we now have it's it's a very yeah. it's funny how one one idea can be mul- so multifaceted mm-hmm. in like the sense of like the way it can be approached yeah I, I i remember hearing someone say that um uh i i I, can't, I don't know who the quote is but they said um 
fuck. I, I don't want to fuck it up. But they said uh, comedy pulls back. At the end of a comedy, the camera pulls back. And at the end of a tragedy, the camera pushes in. And that's it. Mm. They were like, that's the definition. You make the same movie. And if the camera pushes in, the person is alone. And it's a tragedy. If it pulls back, it's a universal thing. And it's a comedy. Mm. And, I, I said that, man. Yeah, it was, and that's right. It was Griffin. Mm-hmm. in conversation before the, with before the show yeah, yeah Griffin was, was really smart Griffin, really smart. but i think <laughs> i think about that a lot about just like <laughs> you know since griffin said that an hour and 20 minutes ago i've been yeah. thinking about it a lot <laughs> and, yeah. and, and i think there's you know there's a beauty to like threading the needle there <laughs> and trying to figure out you know uh, i i know you know without getting into like the sopranos ending or the you know whatever it is the lost ending or or uh, you know without but they're ambiguous they're ambiguous endings to a degree and i think um this has an ambiguous ending and and ambiguous endings are hard to pull off and mm. i think you nail it and Agreed. in doing so I, I got to a place where like I'm examining myself and my own feelings and reflecting on who I am, which I think is, you know, the point of all this. It's the point of what we make. It's the point of art. Like, you know, I think I think a person approaches art hoping that it changes them or tells them something about themselves. And like mm. this book really did that for me. And really, as I read it over time and revisit mm-hmm. it over time, I find that I'm different and my reaction to it is different and and who I am is different. And it's showing me that. And I think it's really beautiful. And I just sort of wanted to to sort of thank you for it and and say how you know as a friend and how proud i am of you of making this book that i love so much and and as a collaborator how jealous i am that you made it and (laughs) all of that and and that's really it that's really all i want to say that's uh really uncomfortable for me to hear matthew thank you love it that was the point (laughs) you too you two are exactly the same (laughs) nailed it nailed it fucking fucking got it perfect i love it uh well on that uh-huh. note tyler thanks for having us on your show yeah uh-huh. my pleasure this was, uh, you all were lovely podcast. guests thanks for not ruining my sofa that's another podcast i think this one was a slam dunk home run well done everybody agreed i don't i don't know where you cut that but uh we cut yeah. it right in the middle of you saying this podcast was a slam dunk home run because that's not a thing this we podcast we'll, we'll, we'll have slam. you say that and then it'll be a bunch of air horns and, burr, and burr, burr. Burr. i love it yeah, yeah. nailed it and that brings us to the end of part two of our discussion with tyler boss make sure to check out dead dogs bite follow tyler on twitter at boy cartoonist and keep an eye on this very ashcan press Substack to see everything that he's working on To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at ashcanpress on Twitter, me at tales to astonish or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.